Thank you, Clara. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Ephesians chapter 2. When I was growing up, my daddy used to say to my brothers and my sister and I, don't ever forget who you are and where you came from. I admit, when I first heard my daddy telling me those words, I didn't really know what he was talking about. Don't ever forget who you are, where you came from. But I later came to understand that what he was trying to get us to see is that no matter what we would ever achieve in life or what we would become, we needed to take a step back now and then and reflect on our past. And never forget where it is that we have come from. The point was to keep us from ever getting to a place where we thought we were better than anyone or better than any group of people. He wanted us to keep a healthy perspective on both our past as well as the present. Here in Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 11 through 22, Paul describes the Ephesians' life apart from Christ. He looks back to their past, to the time when they were pagans or Gentiles, and he reminds them that they are only part of Christ's church, they are only part of Christ's family because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for us. The great message of Ephesians is God's purpose of calling Jews and Gentiles into the fellowship of God's family. You see, Christ came into the world ultimately to reunite in himself all things in heaven and on earth. That's what Paul has said back back in chapter 1, verse 10. And the church illustrates this truth. In this section of Paul's letter, he describes the deep, hostile rivalry between Jews and Gentiles. And he talks about that this hostility between these two groups was reconciled through the death of Christ. These two enemies have become brothers. There was a vertical as well as a horizontal purpose of Christ's death. Through the cross, we are reconciled both to God and to others. And Paul wants us to understand that remembering these things will be a great motivation for sharing the gospel with everyone, regardless of one's race, regardless of one's color, regardless of one's cultural background or their nationality or their position in life. Paul wants us to never forget where we came from and who we are so that there are no limitations that we place on our goal of reaching the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. The church ought to look like the world in that the church is made up of people from all walks of life and all backgrounds. 
Here's what I want you to take away from the message this morning. As we talk about our reconciliation with God, only through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ can we overcome our alienation from God and our alienation from one another. Here in these first three verses, 11, 12, and 13, Paul gives us an account of our lives, both past and present. And like the Ephesians, Paul wants us to see that we used to be blind, but now we see. From the vantage point of blessing, he turns our attention backwards so we can fully appreciate where we were and who we were before we came to know Christ. And then now to see the difference between being away from God and being with Him. Friend, I want you to understand this morning, it's not my intent, but I can promise you, your toes are going to get stepped on this morning. Because mine have been stepped on all week. And this is a message that's calling us to humility. To understand that we are not better than anyone. That we are not exceptional in any way. That we are not God's only chosen people. But that God's intent is to bring the whole world to himself. And he's using us to do that. Well, let's look and see what Paul says. He speaks about our past and he speaks about our present. First of all, he speaks about our past. He says, we were alienated from God. Look in verses 11 and 12. Paul says, therefore. Now, whenever you see that word, therefore, you need to look and see why it's there. Paul's saying, going back to what he's just said in verses 1 through 10. Paul says, now remember. That at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of, the pro- of, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul is saying that their new identity is built on what Christ has done to give them life and eternal blessing. Before their conversion, Paul reminds them that they had been alienated from God and God's people, the Jews. And their alienation was twofold. First, he talks about their racial alienation or their social alienation. Yesterday, I was watching... um, college game day and yesterday if you're a football college football fan it was the day to hate Um, uh, it was okay to hate according to college game day in fact the title of their uh, uh, one segment of the show yesterday was hate is good if you're an Auburn fan you hate Alabama if you're a Duke fan you hate Carolina if you whatever you hate your rival In fact, one of their segments said, for one day, this day, it's okay not to love thy neighbor, especially if thy neighbor is the elephant in the room. Today is the day that hate isn't a four-letter word. Today is the day that thy neighbor is thy enemy. 
And then it talked about families being split. Sister against sister, brother against brother, husband against hus- uh, wife, friend against friend. Disdain for your rival was understood and it was okay. As I watched, I was reminded that the one place that there should never be any hate and never be rivalry is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, it has always been God's plan to extend love and grace and forgiveness and mercy to every person on earth. There is no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. Paul says, look again there in verse 11, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. The Ephesians had been Gentiles in the flesh. To the Jews, Gentiles were outcast, which they referred to as the uncircumcision. That's a term of derision. It's a term of contempt. David called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. Gentiles did not have the mark of the Jews on their flesh and they had not been circumcised and therefore to the Jew that this sign in the flesh was the most important thing. They looked at the Gentiles and said, we're the circumcision, you're the uncircumcised. In other words, the Gentiles were inferior and of no concern to God so they were treated with contempt. Friend, there was nothing but racial prejudice because the Jews had misunderstood. They were full of pride. They used their physical difference as a barrier between them and other people. But God never intended for circumcision to be a barrier. They had turned circumcision into a racial and cultural barrier, holding themselves aloof and blindly looking down upon anyone who was not like them. In the Jews' mind, the Gentile was less than human. They were dogs, and they had forgot that the reason God chose them in the first place was so that they would be the instrument through which he would bring all the nations of the world to himself. You say, well... Those are terrible things the Jewish people did, the terrible way they treated the Gentiles. Can I just say this morning, sadly, some in the church today act just like Israel of old. We emphasize one's nationality, one's birth, one's family, the color of one's skin. And in doing so, we create racial and cultural barriers. We attach more value to one's pedigree than to their spirit, than to their soul, than to their character or their understanding. And as a result, we alienate ourselves from those whom God wants to bring into the fellowship of his church through us. Friend, God's family is to look like the world, remember? Jesus commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, to make disciples of all the nations. It has always been God's plan to extend his love and his grace and his forgiveness and mercy to every person on earth. The Gentiles were racially separated from the Jews. The Jews as a race thought that they were God's special people just because they were Jewish. 
They were God's special people. They were chosen by God, but they misunderstood. God chose them in order to use them to be the instrument through which the whole world was brought to himself. Not only were they racially alienated, they were also religiously alienated or separated. Look in verse 12, Paul says, remember you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see, although there was no moral difference between Jew and Gentile, there was a difference in God's dealing with them. Before Christ, the Jews were the people of God. The Gentiles were cut off from God in five different ways. Look right here in this verse 12. First, he says they were without Christ, separated from Christ. The believers in the Ephesian church at one time worshipped the goddess Diana. And so they were separated from Christ. In other words, they had no expectation of a Messiah. They never thought about a Messiah. They weren't told that a Messiah was coming to save them. Their history had no purpose. It had no plan. It had no destiny except the ultimate judgment of God of which they were totally unaware So Paul says, you were without Christ. You were without any Messiah. Second, they were without citizenship. He says they were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Gentiles did not have the spiritual privileges promised to Israel, God's chosen people. They were foreigners to the kingdom of God. When the Bible says, until you become a Christian, you're a foreigner to God's kingdom, to God's family. You don't belong in it. And you know, you have that sense of knowing you don't belong. That's how we all were before we came to Christ. Third, Paul says, you were without covenants. He says, you were strangers to the covenants of promise. The covenant promises were the basis for Israel's distinctive. Now, he uses the plural form of uh, covenants. Because he makes it comprehensive. He he goes all the way back to the very first covenant of Abraham. But he includes all the covenants God made with his people. All of God's promises. All of the distinctive privileges that made Israel his people. And to these promises, the Gentiles were strangers. Meaning, they had no share in those promises. Then he says they were without hope. There was no hope for them to find the one true God or obtain anything beyond physical life in this world. The saddest feature of Job's great lament in his book is found in the words in Job 7 verse 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. The Gentiles had no such promises of hope. Therefore, they were hopeless. Most Gentiles of Paul's day either thought death ended all existence or that it released the spirit to wander um, aimlessly in some netherworld out beyond. Death brought only nothingness or everlasting despair. So Paul says, you were without hope. The opposite of this pessimistic outlook is the joyous truth that the psalmist reveals in Psalm 146, verse 5. 
He said, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Paul reminds these Ephesian believers that one time they had no hope for anything beyond this life. And then finally he says, and most importantly, they were without God. They were without God in the world. The problem was that it wasn't that they had no God. They had a pantheon of gods. They worshipped all kinds of gods. But what Paul is saying is, you worshipped all these gods, but you failed to know the one true God. And as a result, the world is all you have. Friend, this describes your life and mine apart from Jesus Christ. Paul says we, like the Gentiles, the Ephesian believers before they came to know Christ, Without Christ, we're without citizenship in the kingdom. We, we didn't know the promises of God. We had no hope. We were without God. And Paul says, don't ever forget where you came from. And the reason is, is when you remember where you were before you came to know Christ. And you come in contact with people in the world who themselves, they live, it's obvious by the way they live, by the way they conduct themselves, that they are without Christ. They don't know the promises of God. They don't know God. They were without hope. Paul says, instead of looking down your nose at such people, instead of thinking that you're better than them and and superior to them, Paul says, remember, you were just like them before you came to know Christ. That's our past. As Gentiles, we were religiously alienated and Um, We were racially alienated, but now Paul switches gears. Paul says, that was your past. He says, now let's look at the present. Let's look at your life now. You have access to God. Look in verse 13. Sin alienated us from God, but the good news is we now have access. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The but now parallels the but God back in two, back in verse four of chapter two. Both speak of the gracious intervention of God on behalf of lost sinners to reconcile themselves to God. Our access to God is made possible in two ways. First of all, historically it was made possible through the cross of Christ. Note the expression by the blood of Christ. This signifies Christ's death on the cross for our sins by which he reconciled us to God and to each other. You see, sin had been dividing people since Adam and Eve sinned all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And as a result, they were separated from God. God forced them out of the garden. He put the cherubim in front of the garden and would not let them back in. Their fellowship with God had been broken. Later, their sons were separated and Cain killed Abel. And as a result, the earth was forever filled with division and violence. Friend, we, when we were at our worst, alienated from God by our sin, God reached down in love and in grace and in mercy, was ready to forgive and drew us to himself Through the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the wonder of God's grace. 
So historically, we were reconciled through the blood of Christ. Experientially, we are reconciled through our conversion to Christ. Now, note the expression in this verse, in Christ Jesus. He says there, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we are reconciled historically through the cross of Christ, through the shed blood of Christ. But experientially, he says, you are in Christ Jesus, indicating that there must be a personal faith expressed in Christ as one's own Savior and Lord. This reconciliation is not experienced by the whole world, but only by those who are in Christ, through their personal faith in Him and His work on the cross. Through conversion, our present condition is made different than our past. Now, I want you to think about what we've just said. Paul just described our past before Christ. When he talked to these Ephesians and, and five things he said that they missed out on that were wrong about them. First, before Paul said we were separate from Christ, we were cut off. But now we are united with Christ. Just as Paul says here in, uh, in chapter 1 verse 13. He says you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. So before we were without Christ. Now we are in Christ. Second, before we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were without citizenship in God's kingdom. But now, through our conversion, Paul shares, look down. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. To the Philippians, he was going to write, but our citizenship is in heaven. Before we were strangers to the covenants of promise. Now Paul says, look over in chapter 3, verse 6. He says about the Gentiles, they are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He says, before we were without God. Now look in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 2. He says, we're members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So whereas before we were without Christ, we are now in Christ. Before where we were not citizens of God's kingdom, we are now citizens of God's kingdom. Whereas before we did not know the promises of God. We are experiencing the promise of eternal life. Whereas before we had no hope, we have hope. And before we were without God, we now have God. Paul says it had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with who we are. The color of our skin, our financial status, our position in life, the family we came from, the, our nationality, our culture. It has nothing to do with any of that. It is all God's grace. What a change. Thank God our present is different than our past because of the blood of Christ and our belief in Him. <clears throat>
this past Wednesday, I was at Pleasant Garden Baptist Church for the service for Gary Smith's mama. And I'm telling you, I sent Gary a text afterwards, and I said, as I just want you to know, I've been to a lot of funerals, but this was probably one of the most amazing funerals that I've ever been to. And the reason was is that in all of the words that were shared, in all of the things that were said about Gary's mom, the prayer, the testimonies, the message by Michael Barrett, the, the words, the testimonies by Gary and his brother Roger, the songs, the one message that came through loud and clear through that service was hope. Hope. And I thought about that's the difference between the person who dies with Christ and the person who dies without Christ. There is hope. And then at the end, as, as wonderful as that service was all throughout, at the very end, the senior choir sang victory in Jesus. And I sat there and I listened to those words of that song once again as that choir and the congregation sang to end that service, O oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. But I want you to understand something this morning. The only reason that you and I are sitting here this morning is because of the blood of Jesus. It had nothing to do with who you, your family is. It has nothing to do with your station in life. It has nothing to do with anything about you at all. It is all of God's grace. And it is all because of God's love for us. And here's the thing. Paul says, don't forget where you came from. Because when you start, when you forget where you came from, you will not be as quick to go out and evangelize that neighbor or that coworker or that classmate who may look different than you, who may act different than you, or may be different in some other way. But when you remember where you came from, and what you were like apart from God. That will be the incentive to go out and to tell everyone, regardless of their race, their nationality, their culture, their language, their background, and everything else, that there is a God in heaven who loves them. And there is a God who wants to bring them into his family just like he has brought you and me. That's what Paul wants the Ephesian believers to never forget and to remember. Don't ever forget where you came from and where who you are because it will have everything to do with how you live your life today in the present. I heard a story by David Dykes, pastor of the Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. He tells a story about a friend of his who was doing his residency at a hospital, an inner city hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. 
And he talks about how one evening they brought in a 16 or 17-year-old boy who had been critically injured in an automobile accident. As they began to cut off the clothes from the boy's body, it became obvious that he came from a well-to-do family. They noticed a Rolex watch on his wrist and designer clothes. And so they knew that he was from a, a, a well-to-do family in the community. They were doing everything they could to save the young man's life, but he had massive internal injuries. The boy's parents, who had been out in the waiting room, were summoned into the ER. And the doctor in talking with the two parents, discovered that they had been separated for two years but not divorced. They just hated each other and had not spoken in two years to one another. Now here they were face to face looking down on the dying body of their son, hoping against hope that he would survive. The doctors did everything they could, but they couldn't save the boy's life. The boy was wearing an oxygen mask, and he couldn't speak, but just before he lost consciousness, he reached over and took the hand of his father and took the hand of his mother, and across his own body, he joined the hand of his mom and dad. And a few moments later, he passed off into eternity. But what that young man did by bringing his mom and dad together through his death resulted in them later reconciling and saving their marriage. It's a high price. It cost the life of their son. But their marriage was saved. And they were reconciled. Friend, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ on the cross saw you and me and how we were alienated from God and one another. And Jesus took the hand of God and your hand and he brought them together over his dying body. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that moment, Jesus, by shedding his blood on the cross, reconciled your life and my life with that of God. Friend, it has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with him. And we when we remember that, we will be more prone to go out beyond the doors of this building and reach out into our community and bring in those who are without God, who are without Christ, who have no hope, and they will know that God loves them regardless of where they come from. Let's stand together.